This is Up For Debate Presents Scary Movies to Watch in the Dark. Tonight, episode number 165, recorded November 13th, 2019. Chapter 4, Scream. Hello everybody, welcome to this episode of Up For Debate Presents. I am Sean Jennings, joined as always by our own ghost face killer. Ladies and gentlemen, he's seen one too many horror movies. It's Mr. Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. Hey, what's going on, Sean? Pleasure, pleasure to be on the show tonight. Yes, it, it was. You were hard to get. We had to book it months in advance, but yeah, you know, it. it's nice to have you finally show up on the show. Yeah, I mean, when you offer the kind of contract that you do, I mean, it's it's okay. I, I probably could have gone elsewhere, but hey, we got you those blue M and M's in the green room, though, like you asked for. That's right. You guys, you guys are good at paying attention to detail. You read the retainer and everything, so yep. that's why that's why I'm here. Yep. I don't know why you wanted all the bubbles manually taken out of the champagne, but we found someone to do it. So yeah, it's all about the fringe benefits. I know how Sean. much you like that flat champagne. So yep, all about those fringe benefits. That's why that's why I do what I do. So anyone out there thinking about being a guest on the show, just know we're generous. Yeah. Uh, Matt, we're smack in the middle of our horror movie watch as we enter November for some reason. Uh, we're still watching scary movies, which is great because I think we've got a wonderful movie tonight. We've already covered a trio of classics uh, and we're working our way forward chronologically. We started with The Exorcist, then we did Friday the 13th, then we did The Nightmare on Elm Street, and tonight we're doing a movie I chose, 1996's Scream, um, a film uh, often credited with revitalizing the horror genre. Um, and one of the first to uh, break the format in a number of ways. Uh, directed by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson. Um, now, Matt, you, uh, you saw this for the first time, correct, for the show? Yes, I had not seen this movie before. And neither had I. So since I picked it, Matt, I'll ask you, what did you think of the movie? Oh, wow. Asking the just tough get, questions Just get right in. No time to waste. Punch, pulling no punches. Hell no. Um... I thought this movie was different than than I expected it to be. Uh, if that makes sense, yes, I, I, it I is was, different. Yeah, it uh, it had some it had some really famous people that I, I had no idea. Like Courtney Cox was in this movie. Courtney Cox and, uh, and uh, Drew Barrymore, David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Matthew Lillard. Doesn't does Courtney Cox now? Don't I mean you can spoil this for me. It, Spoilers are okay, but does Courtney Cox eventually marry David Arquette and become Courtney Cox Arquette? Yes, she does. Did they meet on the set of this movie? That is what I'm Googling right now. <laughs> she met her husband on the movie. That is correct. When filming the first screen films. Wow. What? Yep. No, I wasn't saying wow to that. I oh. mean, that that's kind of cool. Oh, but, what were you saying? Wow. to? Um, Liev Schreiber was in this movie, and so was Henry Winkler. Well, I can get I'm how saying you... well because I didn't, I didn't um, realize it. I didn't realize it when I was watching the movie. Well, no, I'll forgive you for Liev, of those people. I'll forgive you for Liev Schreiber because literally he's on for a fraction of a second. I'm looking at the cast list now. Liev Schreiber and... plays Cotton, uh, the killer who is in jail for murdering uh, Sydney's mother. And he's only shown in like an on television screen news report being led in an orange jumpsuit into a car. So he's he's in the movie for like half a second. So I'll give you that. How did you not realize Henry Winkler was in the movie? I, I don't I, I don't know. He, has, I never, he I just plays never the principal. That, yeah, <laughs> I That's, just never I never made that connection that that was that was Henry Winkler. Oh, boy. Maybe he doesn't do any Fonz esque stuff in the movie. Um, uh, yeah, there really aren't a lot of in there. There really aren't any in jokes with him, but he does get he is one of the people killed by uh, the ghost face killer. I, I guess I, I kind of saw that he seemed like a famous person, like like he seemed like I should know who he was, but I I never. Wow. The Henry Winkler. Yeah, no, yeah. The, a stacked cast for this movie and uh, quite a rarity in the horror genre. We've talked about this in our past episode. Uh, the horror genre up to this point historically had cast nobodies, mainly as a way to save money. Um, but uh, it was a bit of a turning point, mainly because uh, 
Drew Barrymore read the script and was interested in being involved first. She was the first to sign on to this movie, and they used her name to sign other big and upcoming actors. Uh, but she actually signed on to play the main role of Sydney, believe it or not. And because of a conflict with her shooting schedule, she couldn't be there for the whole shoot. So instead, she took the role of Casey Becker because she's only the first 10 minutes of the movie um, and required less time on set. Uh, this was also around the time when Courtney Cox was filming uh, Friends, right? 96. There yes. had to be some overlap there. A lot of TV stars. At this point, uh, Nev Campbell was starring on Party of Five. Uh, she had just recently starred in The Craft, um, another horror movie. And this was, I think, between the second and third seasons of Party of Five. Nev Campbell came on board. Um, it was really one of David Arquette's first major roles as well. Um, he had done kind of guest spots here and there. Um, but this really was his first major, major role. Jamie Kennedy, I think had just done, uh, Romeo and Juliet, I think right before that. Uh, and then, yeah, he did scream and went on to have a not really career. Hmm. So an interesting Matthew Lillard, of course, going on to be a, uh, a great actor. Oh, of, yeah. of American cinema, who you'll know from a lot of movies. Uh, and same for, uh, well, Skeet Ulrich. Uh, yeah, he's done stuff. Sean, I'm wondering if, um, is this where Ghostface... No, this can't be where Ghostface Killer gets his name from. Uh, from well... From, um, from Wu-Tang Clan. Well, let's see I think he here. came first. I think Ghostface Killer was first, right? Wu-Tang Clan is like, it's like earlier than this movie. Has to be. I'm trying to, f better know by staging. Uh... Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't say. Huh. Uh. Yeah, I mean, Ghostface Killer was born in 1970 and was already using the name in 1995 before Scream. Okay. So so then the movie got it from him. It was a bit really. of a bit of a coincidence. You know, it is an interesting story, Matt, if you'd like to know about the uh mask used in the movie. Yeah. Uh if that is interesting for you. Um they went through a lot of iterations of the mask to, to design it. Um and they originally, Wes Craven had found a mask that was mass produced that they really liked and wanted to use in the movie. But because it was mass produced, they would have had to have licensed it. So they commissioned a number of versions of that mass produced mask, hated all of them, and ended up just licensing um, from the the costume company um, the actual mask. Uh, and it, it, it was one that already existed and been in the market for, for quite a while. I, I just remember how iconic that mask became. Oh, sure. Someone came to my house this Halloween wearing it in really? 2019. So it's still iconic today. It, it's Fun World is the name of the company that made the original mask. Uh, I hope they're still making money off that. Good for them. Oh, yeah. They're probably set for life with that. Now, I wonder why this mask took off. And not that the Michael Myers mask didn't, but you see a lot more scream masks, I feel like. I just think because it's easier to do as a Halloween mask because you look at Michael Myers, for example, and that's it's just one sort of it doesn't have any big definition to it. That's yeah. what's kind of interesting about the screen movie is the mask is constantly coming on and off. We see like the pranksters in the high school are wearing the mask and it, it it's a mask in the movie like a, it is yeah. a Halloween mask in the movie. And so I and think that lends itself better to a commercial product. Yeah. Uh, that was that was one of the things I thought was cool watching the movie is that it the mask is already like established to be iconic in the movie itself. Uh, it's not the movie that made it that way, uh, which I thought was I thought was neat. I didn't know that yep. going in. Um, I thought that this going in, I, I knew it was a slasher pick, but I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that the murderer was not like a supernatural being it was just a dude in a mask i thought maybe i thought it was maybe like a like a literal like ghost or something but 
Um, it was actually based on a true uh, murdering event, like a true killing spree down in Gainesville, Florida. Absolutely. Danny Harold Rowling, the Gainesville Ripper. Yeah. Which is a terrible name. Have you ever been to Gainesville? I no. Nah, neither I've have rarely I. been to Florida. Neither have I. Uh wow. Where should we begin? Where to begin with this movie, Scream? Well, I, I can do a little bit of the sort yeah. of lead up and creation of the movie written by Kevin Williamson, uh, who not only wrote uh, Scream 2, 3, and 4, uh, but also uh, created Dawson's Creek, uh, interestingly enough, a big success for him. And he penned um, the very successful I Know What You Did Last Summer as well. Uh, so has oh. has done quite well for himself. I don't know what he's done lately um he, he's been trying to break into some television and things like that the the he was co-creator on the vampire diaries um and some other stuff but basically uh he wrote the whole film in a weekend he needed some money he was he was broke and decided he was going to write this script and get his agent to sell it uh didn't know if it was going to be any good but uh matt do you know the original name of the movie before it was called scream um Gainesville slasher. No, what was no, it called? It was a title so stupid. They made, they used it for the parody. Scary movie was the original title that oh. Williamson wrote. And that's where they got the, the parody movie title from. Really? Hmm. Absolutely. Um, there was a, a, quite a bidding war, uh, for the script and the winner. And an, an unfortunate part of the story was the Weinstein brothers, Harvey and Bob Weinstein at Miramax, uh, won the script and awarded it to their Dimension Films label, which you've probably heard of before. They've released a, a number of major films over the years, but Scream was really their first success. Um, you could argue it, it built Dimension Films. Um, yeah, and and they went and they made the movie. And we talked a little bit about the uh, the casting there, uh, the the star casting for the movie. Um, yeah. Hmm. So that's a little bit of the history of it for you. Obviously, Wes Craven directing, um, who we've covered on this uh, podcast before. We talked about him last week with um, A Nightmare on Elm Street. But he's also done The Hills Have Eyes, Swamp Thing, uh, Vampire in Brooklyn, Red Eye, um, Cursed, among many others. Sean, have you ever gotten a um, – have you ever seen a screamer on the internet? I'm sorry, a what? A screamer. Do I want to know what that is? Uh, I don't know if they still call them screamers. Back in the day, that's what they used to call those videos where you would watch them and then some scary face pops up in the middle. Oh, I did not know that had a name. They used to call them screamers. I'm not oh. sure if they still do but, or if they call them something else. But it was like, yeah, the one of the classic ones was like five find – it was like find three things wrong with this room. Yeah, there wouldn't be anything wrong, but you'd be looking for a really long time, and then like a really scary face would just appear, and it would scream, and it yep. would scare the crap out of you. Um, I yeah, I, I used to hate those. Another one was like a maze. You'd have to like like some like those those would trick you because there'd be like two legit mazes, and then the third one would be a screamer. A lot of them would use the face from The Exorcist. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, so. I'm, 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 that must be why I'm so well adjusted is because I missed that. <laughs> I wasn't terrified as a child. Yeah. It's definitely not great for your, not great for your mental health to, uh, experience those things. But I think to some degree they kind of build character. So, mm, okay. I'm going to let you have that. I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but I'm gonna let you have that. They, they definitely don't, they, uh, definitely don't help with trust issues. No. If you already have trust issues. This is one way to, I guess, uh, develop them. So, uh, all right. Um, what did you think of the opening of this movie? Like the beginning. So I will say overall, I really liked the movie a lot. Um, okay. in terms of the first sequence with Drew Barrymore, the first 10 minutes of the movie where she's murdered, I thought was this is the money you pay when you get Wes Craven and Drew Barrymore. I thought it was really well directed. I thought it was pretty well acted by Drew Barrymore. She sounded scared. Um, 
And I guess you have to give props to uh, Roger L. Jackson, who did the voice of go, that the tr- the garbled voice of of him over the phone. Um, what's your favorite scary movie? I can't do the voice, but um, you get the idea. And mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I thought it, I thought like if that was just like a ten minute short, I would have been like, "That's pretty cool." Did it make a lot of plot point in the movie? I don't really think so. Because I get why Ghostface is going after Sydney because of her mother and all that and all the people around her. I don't get what Casey Becker ever did to get murdered. What she, what who did Casey Becker did to get murdered? Yes. Uh, she gets the question wrong, right? On the, but why ask, her? But why did they call her, her in the first, but why did they call her in the first place? Again, I, I get I get why Sydney and all her friends are getting beat up, but it but Casey Becker is, just happens to go to the same school. It's totally unrelated. Aren't they? Isn't it because they're friends? Or no, I don't think they, she, she's like friends? she sat next to me in class, but that was about it. I mean, maybe it was just a test drive to, but they'd already killed Sydney's mother. So I, I always I I took it as like he didn't really need a motive. He was just kind of like that yeah, is like that you is said, the joke drive. at the end of the movie is yeah. that they don't need a motive. Yeah. He's just, he's just the, the, the murderer guy. Um, did you enjoy the first ten minutes of the film? I actually did. I, I, I enjoyed this film a lot. I enjoyed this film a lot. I thought this was uh, of the slasher movies. I, I thought this was, this was really good. Um, I, 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 I hesitate to say that it's my favorite one. I sure. want. That's fair. Because I want. Um, I really want Friday the 13th to be my favorite just because it, it seems the most classic. I don't know oh, if it's, totally. it's the oldest, but it just like it's it's the one that kind of started it all. It yep. started like the slasher genre, but this one was good in that I, I think that really the star studded cast helped it out. Um, you know, I mean, I and then when I was watching it for me, it was just Courtney Cox and Drew Barrymore uh, kind of pushing the whole thing and 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 uh, David Arquette. And I thought, um, and I got to be honest with you, the combination of uh, Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard as as Billy and Stu, I, I thought were great. They were at the end of the movie when it's revealed that they're two killers, which I think is a pretty good twist. Yeah. Um, and it's the both of them. That performance they give at the house where where they have to like stab each other and they're going. I thought that whole last third of the movie was awesome. I thought they were like they were selling me on a level of crazy. Where in most movies, when a killer is crazy, they're over the top Joker style lunatic crazy. And these guys, I'm like, this is like a plausible amount of crazy. Because I guess that to me, that's when a horror film is really good. When you're like, this could really happen, right? That's kind of the idea of a horror movie. Ghostface Killer could be not Ghostface Killer. Ghostface, Ghostface Killer <laughs> could be at my front door, right? My phone could ring and it could be him. I think this movie sells that spectacularly well all the way throughout. Because yeah. you're right, there is no supernatural element. The whole movie, you're like, how does one person do all this? And you're like, oh, it's two people. Okay, yeah. well, that, that yeah. explains it. And so in that last bit of the movie, when they're kind of going over the top, and he explains why he, he did it, and, and they're stabbing each other, I'm like, these dudes are crazy. Like, I thought that was, I, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. No, that was good. Uh, that was, uh, I, 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 I did, I really liked that twist. Uh, the the two killers twist. I didn't see it coming. I didn't think that the, I, the, I was genuinely surprised by that. And I, I always like twists in movies, especially if they're good. I just I like when movies like kind of toy with you. Yep. Uh, your your preconceived notions and and beliefs. Did Did you have any guesses as to who the killer was going to be? I mean, by the end I of it, there's it was almost be no anybody. characters left. I really didn't think it was going to be anybody significant, oh. honestly. I thought it was just going to be an outsider. Because the movie spends a lot of time you know, doing a good job of setting up a lot of people as the potential killer and dropping mm. clues throughout the whole movie. I think it's one of those, if I went back and watched it two or three times, I think I would catch things that I didn't notice the first time um, in Definitely. terms of clues. But even... Henry Winkler is the principal. They show him with the scissors going up to the guys and, sna- you know, being real flick with the blade. And, of course, Billy, you know, gets accused of the murder early in the film. Um, they set up a lot of people. You know, obviously, Randy being so obsessed with um, horror movies and, and all of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, Randy Randy had a there was definitely a, a good chance it was him, especially in the beginning. But then but then that was one of my favorite lines in the movie was at the end uh, at the end end of the movie, he, you know, he comes running up to Sydney and says something along the lines of, of course, I'm still alive. I'm a virgin or something like that. And I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's like the movie does play by the rules and you're like, oh, I should have. He's the geeky nerdy guy. Of course, he's still alive at the end. You you really have to. I know that it wasn't one of my picks, but you have to see Cabin in the Woods. Yes. I, I, I can't stress that enough. Yes. That's. That's a must see for for much the, the reasons that you like this movie. Well, let's let's talk about this movie and the the sort of meta wall breaking nature of it, which was new to the horror genre uh, at the time. Was that something you thought they did a, a good job of? Did you enjoy that aspect of it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it it was very meta. Meta is a good way to put it. Uh, it was very like self-referential, uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Like it wasn't on the nose. Like, um, I mean, obviously scary movie is that for comedic effect. Uh, but it, it, uh, it took itself just seriously enough, which is what I liked about the movie. Um, and it's not something that you really see too much, especially, especially not, not, uh, in, in these kind of movies. I think, you know, one of the taglines for the film was, uh, you know, someone has taken their love of scaries of scary movies one step too far. Solving this mystery is going to be murder. Uh, and I think that's an appropriate way to describe it because I think it would have been easy for them to just make it a bunch of cliches. And frankly, I think, you know, there, there's a scene where the janitor is dressed like Freddy Krueger and I'm like, mm, okay, that might be a little much, but um, I think the way the two killers sort of embodied it at the end where they're like, literally, we just wanted to murder people. Like, we don't have a good motivation to to do it. I, obviously, Billy has a little bit more of a motivation, but I love when Stu at the end, and she says, Stu, what's your motivation? He goes, peer pressure. You know, I, I think, um, yeah, I think it was just played off cleverly rather than obviously. Uh, which was which was nice, you know. There, there's that moment at the end where you know they they Billy's dead on the ground and and Randy goes, yeah. The, the, this is the moment in the movie where the killer would have one last jump and scare us all, and then Billy does it and she shoots him in the head, and then that's it. Like <laughs> they they didn't play it for huge comedic effect and they didn't make a big deal out of it. They're like it happened and they go okay and they move on. Yeah. I'm reading about the. Uh about the cultural impact of the uh, ghost face. Oh, in terms of the murders it spawned? No, oh. uh, this is this is much much nicer stuff. Uh. This is uh, all about the, uh, the toys that it sold. Oh, the merchandise. I'm, I'm the sure. Merchandise. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he appeared on uh, like just a bunch of different shows. Obviously, um, various uh, toys were made out of out of the Ghostface character. Uh, yeah, and that they still sell the costume today. Oh yeah, and you know, I one of the things we've talked about throughout this series, and why I'm glad we're doing it chronologically is how movies reflect the time they're in. We talked about The Exorcist in the 70s being a little more cerebral, a little more spiritual. We talked about Friday the 13th, and even into Nightmare on Elm Street, that sort of 80s um, sort of sexiness to it. And then, of course, it wouldn't be a 1990s movie without meta-commentary and lots of merchandising. Uh, and, and I do think this is the perfect movie. This movie would not have made any sense in the 70s. I don't even know if it would make sense today because I think we over, you know, b b wall break everything. But I think at the time when culture was starting to fold in on itself, this is the right movie for the right time. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. It, uh, oh, I was just reading that, uh, Wes Craven wore the costume during the opening murder scene. That was, that was Craven in the costume. He was, he was wearing it. Uh, 
Yeah, you know that's a that's an interesting uh, interesting take. I, I didn't I hadn't thought of that that it's uh, um, merchandising as a theme in this movie or as as an after effect um, and the self self reverence and uh, all of that kind of we're in the '90s now and th- this would this would have been the perfect time for all of those things to occur. It's that nineties nine. It's that 1990s thing of we're all in on the joke, right? That that's what it is. It's, we don't laugh anymore at jokes. We laugh at the fact there is a joke. Um, exactly. It's more of the character point. It would be like, you know, and in a way it's kind of, it's kind of like wrapping around to like uh, vaudeville all over again. It's kind of like pointing out the absurdity of a situation rather than yep. presenting an abs- absurd situation. It's like, Groucho Marx pointing at the scene and turning the audience and saying, you know, how, how strange is this? Like how, you know, how funny is this? Well, and that's what was so different about this movie. You know, the late eighties, early nineties and horror was dominated by sequels and direct to video movies. They, they weren't making successful box office horror films anymore. They just weren't. And I think it takes a movie like this to jumpstart the genre a little bit because I think audiences in the 90s start to become more intelligent about they don't they don't just go to a movie to see a movie they they start focusing more on the content and what they're getting out of it rather than it's something that's on and I I think that's what Scream taps into one thing I, I watched a making of documentary on on Scream on YouTube, and Kevin Williamson, uh, the writer in the documentary, says there's a reason why I wrote this script in three days and rushed it right to a studio because he felt that if he didn't do it then, the script wouldn't work for much. It was it was a script truly of the moment, um, and he wanted to get it out there at at the time in '96. Yeah, it was it was definitely a, a perfect time for. Uh for this kind of a movie and this kind of a franchise to uh, establish itself. Yeah, so. absolutely. So, you know, the film made on a $15 million budget uh, and went on to gross $173 million, a massive box office success for a film like this. Um, it was the 15th highest grossing movie in 1996. Uh, and that's you're you're going up against films like Jerry Maguire, Mars Attacks, um, and it was the 15th highest grossing film. But you got to remember that's right up there with blockbusters like Independence Day and Mission Impossible. Um, the other interesting thing about this was that it was released in December, December 18th, um, which is unusual. It's a little more common today, but back in those days, um, they didn't really release horror movies around Christmas, and their argument was well. Horror fans got to watch something. Teens got to watch something um, around the holidays. It's not just family films and seasonal films. Sure, uh, it's interesting that yeah, that it would be also around the time of the year when when teens are going to be home, like alone. Maybe parents are out Christmas shopping or at Christmas parties or things like that. And uh, this movie is very much about like don't be alone. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of which. Um, I, I took from one of the one of the blogs I did for for research uh, more research into the themes of the movie. They say um, this this film the characters break all four of the uh, big scary situation no nos. That's number one: boyfriends are always the suspect. Number two: don't have sex. Number three: don't drink or do drugs. And um, and number four. Uh, never say I'll be right back. Yep. So that's yeah. all, all four of them. Well, it's punishment for sin, right? I mean, that's, that's what these <laughs> movies really are about. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, we saw it last week talking about, um, talking about, uh, nightmare on Elm street. It's more the sins of the parents, uh, in the community. Uh, we saw it with Friday the 13th, you know, with, with the, the teenagers, and now it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of that, but it's also pointing at it and saying like, yeah, of course this would happen to me. It had this happens in all the horror movies. Well, like, 
it's 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 like this great quote from Sydney in the movie. Uh, you know, Ghostface says, "Do you like scary movies?" And Sydney goes, "What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act, who's always running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. It's insulting." <laughs> you know, the movie loves to to point those things out. Yeah. Yeah, it does a good it does a, a good job. I'm just surprised that uh it made all these sequels. Have you seen any of the sequels? I have not. I have not, but I am familiar with the synopsises, and it's kind of crazy because unlike most horror franchises we've talked about, it follows the exact same characters in all the movies. So it's not like the killer's the same in like a Jason or a Freddy or in any of these where it's the killer's the same and it's new people. It's the exact same people told over a series of three movies and what uh, four movies. And what's interesting is that when Kevin Williamson wrote the first one and provided the script to the studio, he included with it two five-page treatments, one for Scream 2 and one for Scream 3. His intention was to turn it into a franchise. Um, and the first one was so successful, they made it into two movies. Uh, Scream 2, which follows uh, Sydney and the gang at college, where she is attacked by a... Um, copycat killer which uh, do you want me to spoil it for you what happens in that all right spoilers ahead spoilers ahead yeah um i believe and i'm going to quickly scroll down here um that they again all the movies including scream 2 and scream 3 um copy horror tropes and the killer ghost face killer in scream 2 is billy's mother just like Mrs. Voorhees in Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, of course. Good. Let's see. There you go. They did their homework. Yep. Um, and what's interesting about that is Liev Shriver comes into the picture because he's been released from prison because he obviously didn't kill Sydney's mother, and Gail brings Cotton to the college campus to force like a TV moment with Sydney, and he's actually in it. He's one of the like supposed suspects throughout the movie. Hmm. Um, and then in Scream 3 is about it's Sydney and the gang go to Hollywood because a new ghost face starts killing the cast of a film within the film called Stab 3, which is based on the events in the Stab movies, which is based on Scream. Wow. It's very meta. It all gets wrapped up. It all, it's all a big web. Yes. Suddenly, Cabin in the Woods is making a lot more sense now. <laughs> it, it is one of those things where they just overdo it a little bit. Um, but, yep. Hmm. Uh, I, I read before that the uh, costume... The Scream costume, did you know that it's loosely based on uh, Edvard Munch's The Scream, the famous painting? That would make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. now that you point that out. Yeah. Um, Matt, I'm sure you'd be happy to know this movie won the 1997 MTV Movie Award for Best Movie. Ah, I could see that. I could see see this movie being very well-loved by the MTV community. Um. In 1997, it was it beat Independence Day, Jerry Maguire, The Rock, and Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet, of course, going on to win the the Best Picture Oscar. Romeo is that Romeo plus Juliet? Romeo plus Juliet. I should be more specific. Another uh, Weinstein joint. Yep, that's the Leo, the Leo DiCaprio movie. That's right, and the woman who was in that, whose name I can't remember. Um. Oh, man, that's going to kill me. See, the fun I, thing is I get to look it up while you're <laughs> stewing and trying to figure it out. No, I already looked it up. Oh, is that, <laughs> I didn't, is that really who it is? It's Claire Danes. Yes. Oh. Claire Danes. And like I said, who was also in it? Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. As Samson Montague. Uh, and then obviously. John Leguizamo. Oh, the great John Leguizamo. Whoa, Paul Rudd was in this movie? I guess. Briefly. That's what, that's what he Wikipedia was Count says. Harris. I still think John Leguizamo's best role. Oh, no, I'm confusing him with the... Am I confusing him with the other guy? Which guy was in the Super Mario Brothers movie? 
That was not John Leguizamo. With, with, no, Bob, it was Bob Haskins, and then who was the other guy? Um, as we, <laughs> we're going on, we're going oh, on. Oh no! Shame adventure. on me. Uh, it, uh, it was John, John Leguizamo. Yes. What the hell was he? Oh, he played Luigi. I knew it. I knew it. Dang! I thought you were thinking of the guy that played Bowser, Dennis Hopper. Hopper. We we need to watch that at some point for the <laughs> yeah. show. Oh, this movie was great. Because I watched it a long time ago, and it was bad. I just never, I never really like. Uh, yep. Like he's a very young, young John Leguizamo. Yep. Yep. No, and there's a, actually a great, a lot of great stories behind this. As, as we talked about a little bit on Console Wars, actually, on the episode we did there, the, the did. film that nearly killed Bob Hoskins several times. Yeah. That's right. I'm just now. I'm just Google imaging. John Leguizamo. <laughs> no, pictures of uh, the the Mario Brothers movie. Oh, Jesus. Don't do that. You won't sleep tonight. That's so good. It's a ba-bomb. <sighs> My favorite part. Always love that. Yeah, when he's like, what's your, what's your name? Mario. And Mario Mario. Mario Mario. And Luigi Mario. <laughs> Mario, <sighs> brother. <laughs> Just terrible. Goddamn the 90s. Movie gold. Some yeah. They, sometimes the '90s went too far. This think, was definitely not. I think one if of I had to describe the '90s as a whole, it would be went too far. Yeah. And 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 uh, wasn't Yoshi? Yoshi was in this movie. He was like an actual dinosaur. Yes, he was. He was like a little yes, raptor. He was. He was like a raptor. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love this movie. This movie was great. Uh, oh, it was everything that it should be. They need to remake this, though. Great is... They need you, to remake this. Uh, do they? Oh, Are yeah. you sure? That, I'm, I would be more excited if they remade Mario than if they made another damn well, Star Wars Well, they're doing Wars an movie. animated one. That's for sure. They're doing an animated one. Will that satiate your your desire? Uh, yeah, I, I guess that'll, that'd be okay. But. That, that'll just have to do. I guess, if, if that's the best they could do, then I'll take it. But I want the live action. It's got to be another live action. You know, Matt, we had some fun the other week when I forced you to name the top 10 grossing movies in, I don't remember what episode that was on. So I'm going to force you to do it again. As I mentioned, Scream in 1996, although they, I'm going to count it towards the 1997 box office because it was done in December. Uh, no, I guess I should count it. Hang on, what's what, did the, what was the record I said where it was? Yeah, the 15th highest grossing movie in 1996. How many okay. of the top 10 movies released in 1996 can you name uh, you know that i think we established last week that dates are kind of <laughs> my, this I'm, is kind of like my week my kryptonite i'm glad it's not it me movies i'm very glad it's not me it's really dates actors pretty much everything it all blends Maybe together the, de- the details of movies are my kryptonite i can't remember anything you know i have such a terrible memory i'll do you a favor matt because at least half of Scream's box office gross came in 1997. I'll give you, name any of the top 10 movies from either year, 96 or 97. Okay. Top grossing or award winning? Top grossing. Domestic. Okay. Just think of the biggest movies of the 90s. I'm going to totally embarrass myself here. Probably. Oh, man. I couldn't do it. I'm pretty. Uh, I'm I'm so nervous now. Just name any. It can't movie. be the Matrix. It's too early for the Matrix. That's correct. That was that was like '99. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, and we're talking '96, '97. Yep. So we're talking like, oh man, uh, Jay and Silent Bob. I'm sorry. What? We want the uh, highest grossing movies, <laughs> the ones that made money. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I don't know why I went right there first, but uh, we're talking um, Terminator. No, ter- the first Terminator. 
No, Terminator the Judgment Day. Uh that was earlier. Damn. Um Thing. Oh, oh, Die Hard. Die Hard was in the 80s. You're not Damn good it. at this. Why? All right, you, here we I, go. Matt, let me help you out here. This is so hard. 96 I'll, I'll help you out. movies came out in 96. The Untouchables. Oh, Lord. God help us. Matt, both the number one movie in 96 and the number one movie in 97 both starred the same person. Arguably one of, if not the biggest actor of the 90s. A 90s movie hit machine. Lethal Weapon. No. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. This is like I literally. I'm gonna buy you a calendar. Uh, just buy me a copy of this DVD. Oh this God, is. help us! All right, how about this? In, in 19. Okay, another hint. Uh, he continued to have success into the millennium. That was too big of a hint. Okay. Obviously, it is iRobot. Oh boy, you, Sorry, you get a load of this guy. <laughs> get a load of that. What a ham. Get a load of this guy. Toy Story. Oh lord. Then all right, here we go cuz this is exhausting. 1996, your top 10 grossing films. Number 10, Jerry Maguire. Number 9, Space Jam. Number 8, Star Trek First Contact. Number 7, yeah. 101 Dalmatians. Number 6, Twister. Number 5, Ransom. Number 4, The Rock. Number 3, The Nutty Professor. Number 2, Mission Impossible. And number 1, Independence Day. Sean, the only one I had a ch remote chance of getting on that list was Space Jam. And you could have gotten Independence Day. Independence Day was one of the biggest movies. The greatest movie that was made in the 90s, possibly the past two decades. Twister. Space Jam. Oh, so I love Twister. Uh, um, and then in 1997, number 10, you should know this one, Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, then Flubber, okay, Jerry yeah. Maguire, Con Air, Batman and Robin, Titanic, oh, Air Force One, Flubber? Liar Liar, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and... Will Smith in Men in Black. Highest grossing movie of 1997. Sean, did you ever see Flubber? Oh, yeah. A long time ago. Love that movie. I haven't seen it recently. Not really a class. I bet you can get on Disney Plus now. Um, Sure. You probably could. That is, I think that is a Disney it movie. It is a Disney movie. Yeah. Classic. Yep. So, anyway. There oh. you go. Um... Other successful movies in this time, As Good As It Gets, Goodwill Hunting, Liar Liar, um, Face Off. The list goes on and on. And obviously, Scream. Scream outgrows The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hmm. Sean, did you know that uh, there's a scene... In uh, there's a scene in Scream that makes a uh, can't like a kind of a a nod. To, I, I I I don't know why I, I didn't pick up on this in the movie, but um, Wes Craven has a cameo in Scream where he's dressed as Freddy Krueger. Yeah, as the janitor. As the janitor, yeah, he yeah. has the hat and the shirt. The thing I, is, I, I I caught the Freddy Krueger thing. I didn't realize it was Wes. That's what. Yeah, it's Wes Craven. Yeah. Um, did you catch that he was supposed to be Freddy Krueger? I, I did. Yes, I did. Because he, he looked to be like a weird so janitor. stupid in the yeah. sweater and the hat. And the hat, yeah. It's definitely an it's an outward nod to uh, to Freddy Krueger. Uh, did you know that one of um, in the movie when they uh, f after the first after Casey the first murder they show a bunch of reporters outside of the school and later at the police station. One of those reporters was played by the Exorcist's own Linda Blair. Oh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I guess she would have been that age around uh, when this movie was filmed. Neat. And Does I she get a speaking role? I don't think so. Hmm. Maybe a sentence, but nothing significant. Um, I didn't know this. When Henry Winkler opens the closet in his principal's office, his black leather Fonzie jacket from Happy Days is hanging in it. I did miss oh, that. Oh, cool. That's that's neat. It's a neat nod. Now I'm just looking at the Wikipedia trivia or the IMDb trivia page. Oh, I'm 
I'm looking at a, a, a blog that has uh, all the all the references you may have missed in Scream. Uh-huh. Um, Randy at one point watches Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. Yes. He pleads with her, turn around, Jamie. He's right behind you. Just as Ghostface creeps up on his own character. The joke works on two levels because Kennedy and Lee Curtis both share first names. Jamie and Jamie. Oh, that I didn't put together. But I did I yeah. did like that moment when Ghostface is kind of just sneaking behind him and he's not noticing. Um, mm-hmm. Did you know at one point during the filming of the opening scene, somebody forgot to unplug the phone that Casey used to try and call the cops, which resulted in a real puzzled 911 operator hearing Drew Barrymore screaming for her life on the other end? Wait, she actually called 911? Yeah, someone forgot to unplug the phone. She actually called 911 and screamed into the phone. Wow. Oh man, what a what a uh, what a day to be on the on the other end of that that phone. Oh yeah, that's I'm sure very terrifying. Um, let's see. Uh, Williamson was inspired by some real life murder cases in his own hometown to write the screenplay. Uh, but the story itself borrows heavily from an earlier slasher film. Can you guess the slasher film, Sean? 19, uh, 1979 is the year. Mm, that No, I couldn't. What is it? When a Stranger Calls. Oh. I was going to say, this movie, uh, was, wasn't this remade? Was there a remake that came out like fairly recently? Mm, there's always a remake for everything. Um, in the movie, Carol Kane plays a babysitter stalked by a killer who turns out to be in the house after calling her on the phone. There was a remake. I, yeah, I, I saw this in theaters. Uh, it was a while back. It was probably like the mid to late 2000s. But yeah. Um, Yeah, Scream was the subject of much debate after real murders occurred. Yes. Which the killers say they were directly inspired by Craven's film. Um, Several. In the movie, uh, Williamson's script actually appears to preemptively address this discussion years before these events took place, um, saying movies – Ulrich's character says movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. So it kind of – that's fair I guess that's fair yeah so those are some little uh, little details and things you may have missed in uh, in Scream wow it's it's worth uh, bringing those out I think because this movie is self-referential and and uh, definitely makes a lot of nods in certain directions so we should watch Clue. Have you ever seen Clue? I've never seen you Clue. I would, no, I haven't. No, you haven't I seen the movie movies, Clue. I don't Sean. watch movies, Matt. I don't watch movies. I would love to watch Clue, though. Sean, you have to see Clue. I would love to see Clue. What? Yeah. Sean, Clue is such a good movie. And I know nothing about it. So, Sean. Act, one of the rare movies I truly don't know anything about the plot, or, you know, other than the fact it's based you on know, the board You game. know the whole uh, gimmick with it, though. Oh, the multiple endings. Yeah, I do know about yeah. that. Yeah. With, there were three different endings and depending on the movie theater you went to, I love that. I think that's G gen- I think every, everything about this movie is G. Gen- I, I love, God, I love clue. I would love to watch such, clue. Such a good movie. It's one of the best movies I, I think I've ever, I've ever seen. It, it's. Oh, I didn't brilliant. realize you were so in for clue. I am. I, I'm always in for clue. Um, that's another one with a star studded cast. Yes. It's uh, amazing. It wasn't a bigger success. I know it only got a th- it got really like not great. IMDb got it got it got three stars in IMDb, but it got a ninety two percent from uh, viewers. So that tells you that tells you though that it's a real it's a fan favorite. Yeah, it didn't and didn't do well at the box office either. Oh, so good. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I need to I need to watch Clue again. I'm 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 in. Sad that it's, it's uh, yeah, it's not on Netflix, but you can rent it from YouTube for two ninety nine. Ah, good to know. None of these movies are available. Yeah. None of the movies we watched are available streaming anywhere. I had to rent all of them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Matt, any final thoughts on Scream? Uh, final thoughts. Um, this movie was really. I mean, I, I've I've seen all the scary movies like going in, so I, I got a lot of the the references, like the things that they parodied in those movies. But I didn't know that this movie kind of references itself a whole bunch of times too, and, and I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, I also, again, I really like twists in movies, especially um, in horror, because uh, like. It, it, it's like doubly like you're, you're scared and you're on edge and all that. And then you're also, you're, I think it kind of gets you hooked into the plot and then it, then it kind of turns everything on its head. So I like that part of it too. Um, I, overall, I enjoyed this movie. I thought this, I thought clue was, uh, was a really good, really good movie. But I don't know. I was, I thought it was, it was, uh, definitely, I, w- I can't say it was my favorite so far. No, I that's think that, okay. That space still goes to The Exorcist, and it might always kind of be there. But um, that was it. Was a really good. Ju- I think it was a good pick. It was definitely a good pick. It, it's it was my favorite of the slashers. I guess for for different reasons. Like yeah, well, Exorcist isn't a slasher. You know, it's not. Yeah, it's it's more of a slow paced cerebral. It's a horror movie. Horror movie. Yeah, which will be much like. Um, much like our a couple of our our upcoming picks, we're kind of are we halfway through or more? We're more. No, we're than close. That. This is this was four or six, so yep. we're we're We've gonna wrap two, this up left. before you know it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was great. I I think my favorite thing about the movie was the actors and the character development because I love the references and I love the twists and all that. But I think this movie does something slasher movies before it didn't do. And we talked about this with Nightmare on Elm Street, for example, where there's no character development, right? It's just, here's some people, we're going to murder them. But I think this movie does a good job of actually setting up the characters and having them acted well, like towards the end of the movie when all this crap kept happening to Sydney over and over, like I was feeling for her and was scared for her, which doesn't usually happen to me in scary movies because I just realized they're movies. Uh, and this one really captured me and I thought, uh, the, the killer's acting was, was excellent, both guys. Um, and that's what really got me excited. So I enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, and supposedly Scream 2 is pretty good. So I may have to check it out. Okay. Um, yeah. So like I said, uh, that was our fourth film of our little series here. And Matt, the next movie is your pick. It is. We're back to, uh. To my picks, we're going into nine. Oh, see, yeah, this is how bad I am with dates. Nineteen ninety-seven. Nope. Ninety-eight. Nope. Ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. Nineteen ninety-nine. Wow. Nineteen ninety-nine with the Blair Witch Project. Mm. The Blair Witch Project. So this the start of the no budget, handheld, independent horror film genre. Mm-hmm. So we'll be taking a look at that next week. Um, and uh, Sean, what, how do you feel about uh, this? Uh, <laughs> how do you feel about your cat that's giving you kisses at the moment? I feel like he's an enormous pain in the ass who doesn't know boundaries. All right. See there, he'll just lick my forehead and um, and, and groom my hair. This is my life, Matt. All right. Uh, it could be worse. You could be a group of uh, teenagers wandering in the New England wilderness. I got to be honest, Matt. He's the uh, best roommate I've ever had. Sorry, don't take aw. it personally. Um, I know technically, I wasn't a roommate. I was a housemate. He so. doesn't leave his beard shavings all over the sink for me to eat. Um, he doesn't. Uh, he probably eats them himself. That's right. He does. He's he's very well trained. Um, Those were a gift, Sean. Nah. It was a gift. <laughs> a disgusting gift. <laughs> now, have you seen The Blair Witch Project before? Uh, I have, yes. Okay. Yes, it's another one of my uh, all-time favorites for... For a bunch of reasons that we'll get into in depth, but um, how do you feel overall going in to see it? Um, I've never seen it, and I'm not okay. optimistic. Oh, I Sean, don't think I'm going to like it. You're supposed to get really, really close to the camera and go, I'm so scared. So, oh that's God. that's what I was building up to I'm there. So I've never seen I the movie, so I can't of, get the reference. It's kind of hard to do when you've got a giant feline in front of you. It's and, way too well lit in here for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, Matt, something about a movie that I'm technically competent enough to make doesn't really have me excited, but I'm going to go in with an open mind. You might be surprised. I'm going to go in with an open mind. But what I'm excited about isn't the movie itself so much. 
it's what the and what I've actually liked about all the movies to watch is what the movie represents. Because 1996 was a huge leap forward in mass media um, in how films were developed and how they were marketed and how they were released. Um, and The Blair Witch really did start uh, an entire genre. So that, to me, is, is an exciting part of the conversation we'll have next week. Will the movie be good? I don't know. I don't I guess know. We'll just that, have to wait and find out. That's going to be here, Matt. I will tell you the first question I'm going to ask next week, and I'm going to try to answer is, is this a good movie or a gimmick? That's what I want the answer to, and I, I'm going to look for that as I watch this film. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I hope that you are. Uh, I hope that you are pleasantly surprised. But um, once again, you have proven in the past that you, you don't necessarily always like good things. So no, no, that's true. I like, and I like <laughs> a lot of bad things. So you know, anything's we'll possible. Find out. Anything's possible. Yeah. I'm excited. And we got uh, one more movie of yours after that. So we got a couple more to go. Um, it's going to be a spooky Thanksgiving. So uh, stick with us. Uh, again, our website is upfordebate.tv. You can go there and check that out. We've got all the past episodes, including the other movies we've already covered. Uh, if you're a big horror fan and you haven't listened to the other episodes, you should. They're very good. Uh, and you can subscribe wherever you get podcasts up for debate. Just search for us. Uh, on any major platform in the video versions on YouTube. And of course you can contact us at up for debate TV on Twitter and up for debate TV at gmail.com. Uh, Matt, any, any parting thoughts? Um, there was one, there was one funny line about cell phones in, uh, in the movie scream. And, uh, <laughs> I, I just want to leave everybody with that line. Uh, yeah, the, the dad, one of the, one of the dads or, or somebody in the movie is like, why do you have that cellular Where'd you phone? get that That's cell phone? Cell- Where'd you get that cellular telephone? Uh, I, I thought that was, that was one of the funny, probably the funniest line in the whole movie. So I'll leave you with that. Yeah. This film really reminded me of cordless phones in the house. Like that was, I forgot mm-hmm. those existed. Right. Right. Uh, it was it, it, it's it's a movie that I think would be it would be really hard to do today. Like it would have to be done like with like creepy text messages instead. Well, like movies have tried that where it like all takes place in a laptop and you know movies that kind of use technology to. Yeah, but it's just it just doesn't seem to be the same. I don't know. Well, supposedly there was, and again, this is one of those in the news things that I don't think's ever been proven. But supposedly there was a big jump in people getting caller ID following Scream. Now I, you know, that just oh, sounds yeah. like a, more of a marketing story than a real one. But still, it's like it's like the people that were avoiding beaches after Jaws. Exactly. Yeah, how like real is it? I don't. But that was yeah, around the time. When was caller ID introduced i think it was around not too long after that so it no would have been, it was it was definitely around the around it was that first time. standardized in 93 so mm-hmm. um yeah 1995 so yeah you remember remember beepers remember pagers oh man do you sort know, do you know of, that, yeah. what is it i just read a story that japan is finally shutting down their last beeper network like this year oh no tragic they're they're big on the old technology. A lot of their offices still use fax machines, like a lot of them. Like fax is still like kind of the norm from what I understand. Oh, I had in a to, lot of places. At my company, we redesigned our business cards and I had to like explain to them why we don't have to put our fax number on them anymore cuz we still were like last year. And I'm like, how, seriously, how many faxes do we get? And they're like, "Uh, like maybe like two a month." And I'm like, we don't have to put the fox number on the business cards. We look like old fogies. Yeah, if you do business with Japan, though. But I guess it's more that, like one way you send faxes to them. Oh, my God, Mac. Can we, we get, their faxes. can we each get a fax machine and fax each other's stuff? Yeah. I think I don't bring know. back the fax machine. Just don't send me any pictures of your butt or your cat's butt. Oh, I, I can do that with my <laughs> cell phone. I don't need a fax machine for that. No, I'm going to send you data and like send spreadsheets and okay. and and orders and other things business people facts contracts I mm-hmm. i'll go through them thoroughly oh please do i expect I'll, you I'll to present them at the next board meeting so. i want all those little sticky tabs with the arrows that point to where i have to sign yep just An like initial. a good contract yep initial yeah. here 
perfect. Sweet. Perfect. Well, we'll work on those contracts, but the rest yeah. of you get out of here. On behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time for another spooky episode of Up for Debate. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.